0: masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime but perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Welcome back visionaries this week I'm sitting down with Dr. Stephanie Estima who is a total visionary in the field of women's health over the past year not only have I had the privilege of getting to know Dr. Stephanie on a personal level, but I've watched her from the sidelines as she has followed her heart in getting more visible and becoming the voice for women. She's the host of a top health podcast called Better with Dr. Stephanie. She's the creator of a very successful online health program. And now as an author of The Betty Body, a geeky goddess's guide to intuitive eating, balanced hormones, and transformative sex, it's safe to say you're going to be wildly inspired after listening to her story. On today's episode, we are talking about better business, better focus, better confidence, better resilience resilience, better metabolic health as a business owner, and so much more. Better is Dr. Stephanie's favorite word, so if you're somebody who wants to get better or be better, get ready to take notes. And before we cut to the conversation, I want to encourage you to check out Dr. Stephanie's brand new book, The Betty Body. Her researched but relatable approach to teaching women how to feel incredible in their bodies is unlike any health book I've ever read before. You can pick up a copy on Amazon or at hellobetty.club. So let's get into today's episode with Dr. Stephanie Estima. Dr. Stephanie, welcome to the Visionary Life podcast. In preparation for today's show, I actually figured I'd scroll way back into my email archives to see when it was that I first connected with you. And I think we've briefly talked about this before when I popped into your clinic to potentially offer you some social media services. But then I actually realized you've been on my radar since early 2013, and that's because while I was working for Loblaws, which is one of Canada's biggest grocery store retailers, we were actually putting together this community Bible. And I remember one of my colleagues, she presented to us, a team of eight of us, she was like, I just walked into this clinic, it's called the Health Loft, and I really think we should add her to our community Bible. And... I'm seeing these emails under my Loblaws account and I'm like, oh my goodness, like you and I, we've had these, crossing paths for quite some time so it's really awesome to be able to sit down with you you have so much going on right now in your own business so I think this is the perfect time for us to connect and to share your journey uh, because I know it's been quite the journey with our visionary audience who is probably so curious of how you got to where you are today so thank you for being here
1: Thank you. It's an honor. I'm excited for this conversation.
0: So to begin, I just want to do a little dissecting of your past. In those 2013 days, you were running a chiropractic clinic, right? So can you just give us a rundown of why you started that clinic and whether you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or whether that was something that, you know, just kind of fell into your lap, like take us back to those days. Why did you start the clinic?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I have been, um, in private practice, uh, graduated from the chiropractic school in Toronto, 2003, uh, and then opened, you know, took a little bit of time off after graduating and then started my, you know, my small little room. I sort of rented it out of a, of a gym at the time. And I would say that, um, I, In terms of wanting to be an entrepreneur or running my own business, it's really just about me being completely unemployable. So there's just, I feel that. (laughs) So there's just really has been no other option for me, and you know, even through chiropractic school, I had. I was a fitness instructor. So I was doing like the step and the high low and I'm totally dating myself, but like doing all the, you know, and even even that, even though I was employed by many different gyms, there still had a aspect of, you know, being an entrepreneur because I could set my own hours. I could yeah. determine how many classes I taught. I could set my rates. Um, so I've always really, even though I wouldn't necessarily have identified with the word entrepreneur, I think I have always been someone who has a very, strong, independent streak, very opinionated. And the times where I have worked, you know, I've had odd jobs, you know, secretary, like it hasn't, like I've been fired because I can't follow. (laughs) Like I can't, I can't do it. So um, I think being an entrepreneur is just naturally the right fit for my personality type. And, you know, kind of going back to 2013, at that point uh, I had given birth to my second son. Uh, I was running a chiropractic and massage clinic in King West in Toronto, which is sort of downtown uh, west of this, like a little bit west of the kind of the central corridor. Mm -hmm. And it was really important to me then, and it's still important for me now to create a welcoming space for people. So uh, the name, as you, uh, mentioned was called the health loft and it was you know it wasn't like stephanie estima chiropractic it wasn't like it wasn't centered on me it was centered on the pursuit of health and in the clinic um, we wanted things to feel homey we wanted like a little living room and I actually I actually rent like my office space was a at that time it was like a two-story um like townhouse Mm -hmm. so the bottom level was like the admin she was in kind of like where the kitchen might be the living room was the waiting room for the patients and then we take the patients upstairs into like what would be like the bedrooms right but we've converted those into um clinic rooms. And we just, I wanted the through line for that has always been, let's just make it the unclinic, like let's make it feel like this person is coming into a community where they feel seen, they feel heard, they feel understood. Mm -hmm. And uh, that carried through, that was the first, uh, or one of the first iterations of the health loft. And um, I'm sure as you know, we had like a clinic fire and the, you know, there was a, the clinic basically turned like flat, like we flattened it. Uh, So there was not intentionally, it just, that was like an (laughs) electric, just for the insurance adjuster who's might be listening. We we didn't do that intentionally. It was an electric fire something, there was something wrong with the dryer. We threw in some massage towels at the end of the night. And then overnight there was, uh, there was this fire. So rebuilt the clinic in 2016. And then in 20, and so that was like my opportunity. Cause it was a small townhouse. And I was like, you know what, I am going to build the best community centered, health center that I can using some of the principles that I know that, you know, with chiropractic, with rehabilitation, with fitness, with nutrition, with brain metabolism and brain health. So that was sort of my, uh, it's always been my through line to sort of have this like hub of, um, of health centered activity through, you know, whether it's in a brick and mortar practice as I had, and now in my online pursuits.
0: Mm. Amazing. Do you feel like now that you don't have the bricks and mortar space anymore, but you you have the online community now that you still have that original vision of creating the health hub? Now it just isn't in the physical reality anymore. Like has your vision yes. stayed quite true this whole time?
1: One hundred percent. And I think it's over time, it's really shifted to be, you know, health for everyone. And I've really niched or niched, depending on where you're listening um, to this from. But, you know, in Canada, we say niche, it's a bit more French, (laughs) but, you know, we niche. Right now, I'm more niched into more female physiology and the female uh, health pursuits, because I find that there's, well, I think it's severely lacking. I think that we often you know, treat ourselves like little men, like, you know, little men with more hormones. And I think that there's also just a, you know, in terms of when we think of holistic health for a woman, of course, we want to be thinking about nutrition and body composition and supplement. We want to be thinking about all those things, but we also want to be thinking about how she interacts with herself, like how she feels about herself. And there's a lot of, and maybe we'll get into this today. Maybe we won't, but there's a lot of patriarchal sort of constants where a woman tends to blame herself first. She tends to think that there's something wrong with her rather than the system being broken. So that's really where a lot of my interest lies now. And so now I don't have a clinic in sort of the Western, you know, the West end of Toronto. I have an online community of women all over the world where we can come together and talk about some of the constants that someone in New Zealand and someone in Michigan and someone in Vancouver and someone in London, uh, UK might be experiencing. And it's a shared collective. And then it's from that, that we can really begin to open up the discussion, dissect it as you, you know, to use one of your words um, and then really understand what the framework is and then the strategies that we can do to begin to heal.
0: Yeah. And we're going to dive into so much of your specialty. So we will definitely get around to that. One of the things I want to pause on for a minute, uh, you were saying that there's these patriarchal constants kind of in the health world, which is your specialty. It actually just really resonated with me because one thing that a lot of my listeners know, I talk about this a lot, is the patriarchal constants in the way people are expected to market their business and in the marketing industry as a whole. And I just realized this parallel there that oftentimes we'll be told, oh, you have to have click funnels or you have to set up these complicated email automations. And then we as female business owners, we go to do it. And then maybe it doesn't work exactly like we were told. And then we think we did something wrong. And it's like, no, it just wasn't the right formula for your business. And I'm sure this exactly parallels with health. And you know what you talk about, women are not little men. So if you're following a diet or a protocol that's been prescribed to you, but that's not for you and it doesn't work, you think oh i must have done it wrong i'm a failure but it's me yeah, it's not it's the me. case yeah right. and i Precisely. love that you're bringing so much awareness to it i just had to say that because i think there's probably parallels in every single industry
1: of I've 100% <laughs> yeah i mean all there's many roads that lead to rome right and what we tend to see in at least in 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 women's health is we tend to see a lot of the research done by men for and by men for men right like and, and there's no this is not like male bashing like you know, I love, you know, I'm in a relationship (laughs) with a wonderful man. Like I love men, right. I want to be able to edify them and help them make better choices for their health. Mm -hmm. But often Historically, we are often forgotten because just by virtue of having, you know, in in the health space, just by virtue of having a menstrual cycle, it is considered a confounding variable (laughs) in most research. So, how can we actually, uh, you know, pretend to understand that we understand female physiology when most women have not been studied? Right. So, um, and, you know, to your point, when it comes to business, just because a guy has figured it out just because a guy can say well this click funnel did you know brought me x amount of revenue and it was super yep. complicated and this and that you know that's not necessarily the way that a woman might choose to run her business maybe she wants to create more of a solid community and then be able to you can you can you know make a lot of money from a small amount of dedicated fans and community members. So I don't, I don't think it's necessary to like, it's not always like go big or go home. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's such an important conversation and something that, yeah, I think would be totally interesting to dig into a little deeper, but we'll save that for another episode. I want to go back to your days of running the clinic. So obviously somewhere in that timeframe, you must have had a light bulb moment of, My impact could be bigger or greater, or even maybe you wanted your time freedom back. I don't know what this was for you, but can you take us back to the moment when you realized that maybe having that physical space was not going to be your future and that you wanted to shift things more into the online space? Talk to us about that point in your life.
1: Yeah, it was, it wasn't so much a point as it was like a chunk of time. (laughs) So Even after, you know, in 2016, as I mentioned, clinic burned down. I was like, I'm going to build this, like my dream clinic and all the things. And I would say, if I'm being completely honest with you and, and your listeners, I would say, you know, maybe towards the end of 2017, you know, like about a year after the clinic was rebuilt and we were doing really well and making like making really great impact. And I was getting, you know, some... Recognition for some of my writing online and some of the you know um, uh, talks that I had given uh, on some international stages. I I remember thinking like, you know, I love my patients. I love what I do. Like I'm born to help people, but is this all? is this it, right? Is this like by any measure, like if you sort of look at, you know, the revenue that we were generating, the, um, you know, the percentage completion of the programs that we were designing, the um, the patient outcomes. So what they were saying subjectively and both objective, like objectively what we were measuring and what they were saying their experience was and whether it's pain or whether it was weight loss or whatever it was, we were we were successful. And I felt like I had climbed the ladder, I was leaning up against the wall and I was like, okay, like I'm at the top of this wall and this is like, great. Like it's, I can completely coast, right. And be happy for, uh, for many, many years. But I also, there was also an emptiness to it. There was also a hollowness and I didn't really have the, the verbiage and the, I was like, well, it's good. But like, is this it? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, am I, is this like, I've achieved this and I'm like 30 something and like, isn't there, is that, you know? Yeah. So I marinated on it for years and, um, it finally, um, it finally got so loud. It was just like a thump, like every single day I'd come home from the clinic and I'd be crying to Giovanni. I'd be crying to my partner. His his name is Giovanni. I'd be crying. Um, and like, I'm just so unhappy. Yep. Um, and it felt like if i stayed if i just did this thing which was easy predictable right in terms of predictable income and all the things i would be miserable Mm -hmm. so i hired um uh, a coach who I've known him for many years. He's, um, and I'll just give credit where credit is due. His name is Dr. Jeff Spencer. So he is a chiropractor uh, who was on, who I think did six or seven tour de France's. He was the chiropractor, uh, mental and physical coach there on that team. Um, Kind of a rock star in the chiropractic community, Mm -hmm. someone I've looked up to. And I reached out to him and I was like, I think I need to close the clinic, but I don't know how to do it. So he really walked me through Sorting through my feelings and what, you know, how can we do this with integrity? Because so when you make the decision, when I finally was able to say, okay, I think I actually want to close the clinic, your inclination is like, okay, it has to be done now. Oh, like yeah. I have to do it right now. Like I've identified the itch, like I need to scratch it. But Jeff was really great about being very measured and making sure one of the things he said to me often after I decided, okay, like I think that I need to just go all in for this online. Um, uh, move, he said, okay, what you want is not even though it feels, you know, harried and rushed right now, you want to be able to look back six months or a year after you close the clinic and be able to look back on that and the way that you handled it with pride, even though it was difficult, even though you wanted to run, even though you wanted to cut the cords, but to make sure that you took care of, obviously the patients, right? You have to have that continuity of care for your patients that you took care of your employees, that, you know, all the ties, like they were all tied up before, you know, you sort of gave back the keys um, to the space. So uh, worked with him every week for like 16 weeks. Wow. And then, so that was maybe towards the end of 2018 and then closed the clinic end of April, 2019.
0: If you follow Dr. Stephanie for any amount of time, you'll know she takes her health very seriously. Me, I'd say I'm about a 9 out of 10, always trying to improve, but also I do have my days. But that is where Healthy Planet really comes in, because Healthy Planet is your one-stop shop for all of your natural health and supplement needs, and they really help me to maintain my 90%. I've been shopping at this store for over five years, and that's why I'm so grateful to have them sponsor the Visionary Life Podcast. You can actually shop by department or dietary need, or even just check the sale rack and it's a super efficient way to ensure that you're always stocked up on healthy goodies, supplements, natural beauty, and all of the latest and greatest food and beverage brands. So you can actually use the code visionary10 or visionary10 at healthyplanetcanada.com and you're going to save 10% on any online order that's a minimum of $49. So again, use code visionary10 at checkout to save. You mentioned a feeling of emptiness, like walking into the clinic and going like, wow, to somebody it would seem like I have it all and I've achieved that peak of the mountain, but obviously that wasn't your sentiment. And it's interesting because I think that we can extract this to a lot of different moments in our listeners lives. Like I know a lot of them are showing up at their full-time job every day, feeling this emptiness, or maybe starting a online community and nobody's showing up and they feel this emptiness. Uh, And it's like that gut punch that's easy to kind of push down and just say, forget about it. Like you're fine. You have the stability, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't take those risks. But I think it's really, it's like honorable to stop and actually pay attention to that inner voice that says, you know, this isn't your forever because I believe it's easier to just numb that feeling, like to go home to the wine, to suppress the feelings that I should be grateful for what I have and what I've built, where did you get that confidence or just that ability to listen on a deep enough level to say, I am allowed to change course. Have you always been um, that in
1: tune with your emotions and your inner voice? I'd love to pretend that the answer to that is yes. Like, oh, easily, like, oh, (laughs) no. Um, I I mean, truthfully, I ignored it, right? In the beginning, I felt empty. I couldn't really articulate what it was and I just lived with it. And at, to your point, I felt guilty. I felt sh- ashamed of the way I was feeling because it was like, what is wrong with you? Like you have the thing, this is the goal that you had. You graduated, your goal was to set up a clinic. You've been throwing these hard balls you know, the clinic burning down and all of that. You've rebuilt the clinic of your dreams. Why is it still not enough? Yeah. And I think, you know, for women again, kind of getting back to that, we, we tend to be like, what's wrong with me? Like, why isn't this enough? And, you know, at the end of the day, it was just my, you know, I'll get a little woo here on you, but it's really, it was just like my soul's voice. It was my soul yearning for something bigger and better because my soul intuitively, Mm -hmm. whether she's right or wrong, feels like there's a, there's a bigger impact that I, or a bigger role that I have to play, um, in women's health. So, um, it really just became so loud uh, truthfully that i just could not ignore it anymore i was mm-hmm. miserable like i and i say like i had the best patients the yeah. best people like i had a rock star team everything was smooth it was like a well oiled machine mm-hmm. and i would come home every night and cry so i was like okay like i i have to i have to follow i have to follow this even mm-hmm. though it's scary even though i have no idea how to really do on, like, I kind of knew it, like I had one sort of online program that had done really well, but to be all online, like to put all my ducks in, uh, in that, in that bucket or that basket, whatever the saying is, Mm -hmm. was really, was really scary. Um, So it was, it was just a matter of the voice became, you know, the banging, you know, Mm -hmm. the internal banging um, of that voice trying to get out of the closet was just no, it was just so loud that I could no longer ignore it.
0: And it's great to give yourself permission to realize that life doesn't have to be scored in a certain way. Like you may have the car, the house, the clinic, whatever it is in the listener's life. But if that's not your scorecard for success, it's okay to say, this is not the path I'm supposed to be walking. Even if society tells you like check boxes and you will be happy. Um, I, I am so passionate about reassuring people that like we all have our own scorecards and getting to know what it is that lights you up is probably one of the most important journeys of finding that self-actualization and being happy each day. So I love to hear you say that. Did you have a plan for when you closed down the clinic? So you were working with your coach, uh, Mm -hmm. I think Jeff Spencer. Yep. Did you know, like, what was next? Were you busy writing a business plan for your online business? Were you just going to shift everything online? Or did you kind of take that leap and say, you know what? The net will appear. I'll figure it out on the way down. What was your style here?
1: Very much the, the latter. So I was really focused on making sure that all my patients had new clinics uh, that they could go to. So this is like hundreds and hundreds of patients that I was sort of individually dealing with yeah. um, and, you know, dealing with you know, I'll just like suppliers and all in like the landlord and all the things. So I was not writing the business plan. I wasn't actually even sure what I was going to do. I knew that there was a book in me. Um, there's actually several books in me, uh, but that was not at the forefront. It was really just, how can I I, you know, Jeff's words, Dr. Jeff's words really were resonant with me. Like, how can you close this off with pride yeah. into something that you are proud of to be able to talk about on a podcast like this? Like if mm-hmm. I, you know, at the end of, you know, 2017 or mid-2017, once I finally admitted it, was like, okay, that's it. Like I'm done. And then left everyone stranded, I would be reticent to bring that up and to talk about the struggles and because anytime there's something difficult, there's a lesson in it. Right. And yeah. of course, there's um, um for me as a as a woman it was the big lesson for me was there's a bigger desire that you have and it's absolutely okay to want that like we're often taught as women you know, you like, just be happy with what you have or to make, or to make do with less. Right. It's like, people will compliment you. Like, I might look at you right now and be like, oh my gosh, I love your, you know, your chains. And you might be like, oh, this old thing, like yeah. just got it on sale at, you know, winners or, you know, like TJ Maxx or whatever, versus like, this is like $5,000. Thank you so much. Like I earned yeah. it. You know, like, we don't talk like that. We are always taught to like, oh, this whole thing, this, not that got on sale, you know, the way that we are. Yeah conditioned is really to always minimize. And as a woman to say, actually, I have really, I have a lot more, I have a lot more, and I want a lot more to actually give yourself permission uh, Mm -hmm. to do that was, you know, uh, for me, one of the, one of the biggest lessons that came out of that. And then to how, how to do it with grace and integrity and, and love. And I was, you know, during that process, I mean, there was from the end of December, 2018 through to April, 2019, when I was coaching with Jeff and like, okay. you know, just dealing with all the things, trying, like going in and obviously not telling my patients, the only person who knew that I wanted to close a clinic was Stephanie Major, okay. uh, who I know, you know, she was my um, clinic manager at the time. Um, there was a lot of weight there, there was a lot of weight, but to continue like doing that hard thing, because I was doing it for the honor of the clinic, the honor of what I had created and the honor of, for the patients, I'm super proud of, um, the way that it was handled, the way that we did the handoff with everybody, you know, getting their records to other clients and, you know, like what, if they didn't want to go to another chiropractor, what are some long-term strategies they can be thinking about? So I was doing like personal one-on-one calls with people. And, um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but um...
0: it answers it perfectly. And I just think that what we can extract from that is when you're closing a loop in any area of your life, whether that is ending a relationship or quitting a job or um, I don't know, terminating a business partnership it is so valuable to end it with integrity rather than saying, all right, I've made this this, this decision. I'm just going to go in and quit right. guns a blazing and be like, see you later. Or I'm done with this relationship. Like, to be able to sit here today and to be able to have an honest conversation about it, because you know, you did it to the best of your ability and you supported people all the way through. I think like that's a a lesson we can take to many aspects of our life. It comes back around to never burning bridges and and making sure Mm -hmm. that you uh, stick true to your core values because who you are in that moment is also who you are in those high highs of business and all those in between. So it's really that through line that, um, speaks to your character at, the end of the day. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: So obviously in closing that chapter of your brick and mortar clinic, you come into the online space. One of the brilliant things that you birthed was a podcast. Um, so you host the better podcast with Dr. Stephanie and it regularly ranks, I believe in the top 10 of the alternative health chart. So congratulations. And, I want to talk about the podcast for a bit. So did you come up against any resistance in bringing the podcast to life, in sharing your voice on what is a global platform? How was that journey for you of bringing the podcast to the masses?
1: Oh, good question. So I actually had the idea for a podcast, probably 2015, 2016, um, because I felt like I had, and that was just, again, like just a little, the beginning of the inkling back then, like maybe there should be, you have a lot of things to say, like you have a lot of different verticals that you can kind of chat about. Uh, but sat on it, I and I remember I was walking down the street. It was we were it was Giovanni, my partner, and I. We just got a coffee. We were in King East in uh, in Toronto, East End of Toronto, and I remember saying to him something like, "I want to be like the female Tim Ferris. Like that's who I want to emulate. I absolutely because when you listen to Tim Ferris." One of the things that becomes incredibly apparent is the amount of work that he puts into every episode. Like he yeah. knows everything about his guest. And he has notes, pages and pages of notes. He has, you know, he's thought about questions. It's not just like, you know, it's not the run-of-the-mill questions yeah. that you typically get. He has very unique things. He he fuses that with his own life experience. So I maybe said it incorrectly because I don't want to be Tim Ferriss, right? Like I, I want to have a, what I wanted, what I was trying to articulate at the time was I want to have a similar podcast in terms of emulating, you know, the preparation that Tim does, the guests that he, the thinking, the strategy, all the, all the prep work that he puts into before the podcast happens. That's something that I really love because one of my core values is learning, so it's so fun to right before, you know, if, if I know I'm speaking to someone on a, on a Tuesday, I spend the weekend and the Monday, like learning everything about their body of work, thinking about how I want to make things different for this particular conversation. So that's sort of what I was looking at, but I also want, I knew that I wanted it to be female specific. So, uh, Tim is like the productivity guru, right? He talks about everything um, from productivity to ketosis to, you know, all the things that he talks about and all the stars and stuff that he has on his podcast. I really wanted to put a female spin on it because it's still something at the time. And even today with the podcast, um, out in the world, I still think that I'm one of few, uh, podcasts that really do tackle female physiology head on and all the different verticals. It's not, there are some podcasts that kind of just focus on one thing. And I really like to paint broad, uh, Uh, you know, brushstrokes, and then go really deep into each of those categories. So, um, yeah, in in Canada, we are typically in the top, you know, 30, 20 or 30 uh, in um, alternative health. In the US, we're usually in the top 50. So, yeah.
0: You seem to be so clear on what typically is called like a target market or a niche or your dream client. And you actually have a name for them. You call them your Bettys. So (laughs) did you create the podcast with this avatar in
1: mind? Oh, it's a good question. I truthfully, no. Um, I started the podcast because I really saw a gap in the type of podcasting or the types of conversations around women's health that I that I wanted to start contributing to. And I think that that's sort of any entrepreneur will tell you that it's like I created the thing that was missing. Like I created the thing that I wanted to see. Um, and then the name Betty's really just, uh, that's what we call the fans of the better podcast really just comes from the name, right? So it's better with Dr. Stephanie. We started calling them Betty's and it, I, I, um, I have two, uh, segments or three segments to the show. So one is an interview with someone. One is called geeky magic where I'm just sort of riffing on a topic. And then we have a new a show that's that's actually starting uh, next week called Betty Bites. So this is just like little bits of wisdom. You know, we have very long format conversations. Sometimes they're two hours, three hours you know, sometimes they're an hour 20, but we've had enough feedback from our Bettys. And they say, listen, like, I can't, like I'm homeschooling or like, I'm a lawyer. Like I can't (laughs) listen to two hours of, you know, sirtuins and DNA methylomes. Like, can you please just, you know, like what's the, what's the juice? Like, what's the heart of it? Yes. So the Betty bites is just going to be like the condensed. If you never listen to the full podcast, this is the big takeaway from it. Um, And so the name just sort of came organically. And then what we started noticing was that in the reviews, like if you look on iTunes and people review the podcast, people would start calling themselves Bettys. They Mm -hmm. would say, yeah, I'm such a Betty, I love her. She's just like, you know, I just want like, this is like the best friend conversation that I never had growing up or like the the questions I, you know, wanted to ask, but was too embarrassed to do that. I'm such a Betty, I'm so proud to be a Betty. So we started hearing that over and over again. Um, So we started seeing, people like t- like it was just like a cute little name that yeah. me and major would kind of call the people like you <laughs> know like call our fans you know and then they started adopting it as well um so it's just it grew very organically
0: what an awesome moment in your journey where people basically self-select into being a community member, right? It's like you've paved the path so well and so clearly that when somebody says, oh my gosh, like I'm a Betty, they're actually telling you that. And we have a lot of aspiring and early stage business owners who listen. And I think that is all something that we can start creating right now, right? It's like, who are those people and how do they identify as one of yours and what do you call them, right? Um, I think it's really cool what you've created. So um, quite special.
1: And it also speaks to my vintage heart because, you know, Betty (laughs) Betty. is kind of like an older name. And I feel like my soul comes from like the 19, like Betty Davis and all that. So
0: I love that. And the other (laughs) thing that's great is uh, you mentioned these clips that you're doing. I see Joe Rogan and Rich Roll doing them on YouTube, but Mm -hmm. what an awesome way to stick with that audio format that I listen to podcasts, you know, two, three hours a day, but to deliver those bite-sized moments for people who maybe don't have as much time as I do to digest the full format. So I love that. I'm assuming you'll be repurposing the content or are you yeah, recording it'll be from my legacy
1: content? Yeah. Cause I look, okay. when I look back at my interviews, I'm like, Oh my God, I love this interview. And I will sometimes l- go back and listen to what, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, she has this really great, um, piece where she talks about female rage and how we are really taught to just like smile. Everything's great. And she has this. So that's going to be one of yeah. the Betty bites is like really kind of dissecting her, um, take on female rage and female anger and the way that it, is completely not allowed in society. And we were talking about it in the context of her book, City of Girls, which was you know, c- centered around the 1930s and the 1940s, but that still applies today. Right. When yeah. we think about female rage, you know, if you are, you know, it doesn't matter how you, how you present you're white, you're black, you're whatever. It is not allowed. It is not, uh, you are called hysterical. You're, if you're black, you're called an angry black woman. You know, if you're a person of color, like it is just not accepted for you to get, or you're called a bitch, you're called all these things. So yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's going to give us an explicit, totally on fine. The- <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but we're called all these names versus a guy, if he gets upset, he's like, listen, you guys screwed up. You dropped the ball, whatever. It's like, oh, there's the boss, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. holding holding the ship together but if a woman says the same thing it's like oh god I'm like what a bitch right like she's yeah. such a bitch so and see yeah. you're
0: talking about this clip and i'm certain i've listened to that episode but that's not resonating with me and i think that's all the more reason to be recycling this content yeah. right yeah. and yeah. i think the lesson here for anyone who is a content creator is that you don't just have to create something once and then just kind of let it collect dust and fall to the the bottom of the barrel uh, I think what you're doing is brilliant actually, is taking those bite-sized nuggets from the hundreds of hours, I'm sure that you've recorded at this point, mm-hmm. and you're giving them you know, a fresh look and putting them in front of us in just a different format. Anyone can do that with a blog post, with a YouTube video, with a podcast. Correct. Um, I don't think we always need to be reinventing the wheel, but instead picking our really high quality content and just serving it up on a different platter.
1: And then if they want to, they're like, oh, I really love that piece on female, maybe I will take the time to go back and listen to that full conversation or at least the entire piece of that female rage part of that conversation. So, Mm yeah.
0: Amazing. Well, I look forward to hearing those and we'll definitely link the Betty Bites in the show notes. (laughs) Great name, too. Thank you. So, of course, you have been working on a book. It is called The Betty Body. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before we talk about the specifics of the book, can you take us behind the scenes of the book writing process? Because a lot of the listeners, one day they have on their vision board they want to write a book they want to share their thought leadership with the world like you're doing with the betty body so tell us about how you decided this was the time and what that process was like of actually bringing the book to life
1: good so in terms of deciding how when i wanted to write a book i knew that there was always one or two books kind of knocking around in my head It was just a matter of, so I closed the clinic April, 2019, just to kind of give you a timeline here. And then I decided in August of 2019 that I was gonna write the book. So I felt like I had created enough space for me to finally say, okay, like let me start piecing my thoughts together. Let me get the, you know, a rudimentary version of a manuscript, like some kind of backbone um, together. And so I started uh, in August of 2019 writing. And I would say literally the final, like, so the, the book is coming out February 16th, 2021. I literally just sent back the final, final, final stuff last wow. week. Like there was a couple of, you know, proofreading things that I had to do, but the the writing part of it took the better part of, call it 12 to 14 months. And it was, you know, I've, I've likened it to birth. So if you, anyone who's listening, who's ever had a child uh, or who's who's labored, um, I should say, it's very similar to labor. So there's like contractions where you're like, I, I can't do this. This really, really hurts. And then there's like times when the pace is picking up and like your breath. And like, you know, for me it was like downloads were coming like fast and furious. And then there was times where nothing was happening. So, and that I, I cycled through all of those, um, emotions. So whether it was like frustration and self doubt and, um, and then being a bit more frenetic and more energized, like, Oh my gosh, I have to talk about this and testosterone and this and that, you know, kind of all those downloads. And then I would sit down and then nothing would come. Um, so what I tried to do every day was to write a little bit every day and some days everything I wrote was shit everything I wrote was terrible um but to quote you know the um I think it's Seth Godin I might be messing it up but Seth uh said something like you know you have to write the bad stuff in first yeah. in order to get to the good stuff. I'm paraphrasing. That's not exactly what he said, but it's something along those lines. Like you have to sit and write something that's, that is bad first in order to get to the idea on the other side of it. Yeah. So there were times when I would just sort of be all over the place and it would seem like I was not going anywhere. And then the next day I would go back and sit and it would be slow. And then the next day I'd be like, okay, okay. So maybe this is not actually working. Maybe I can be, you know, thinking about this. So, um, mm-hmm um it was up and down and all around completely non-linear completely non-monotonic um the entire uh, the entire process so anybody who's listening who wants to write a book i would say the first thing is just like healing you know healing is non-linear too right mm-hmm. everything you know we we were like okay so a i want to get to z right so here's all the steps i need to do and it should just be like this no it doesn't work like that because you have Um, I think the process of writing a book and even just, you know, sharing your most intimate thoughts, uh, with, you know, even if it's just science, even if, you know, in this case, we're talking a lot about hormonal derangement and we're talking about metabolism and resistance training, all those things, you still have to, you know, you're not writing a thesis, you 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 have to interweave it with story. And that also requires a certain amount of letting people in, right? You have to say, okay, like, I gotta let people into my story. Like, why am I qualified to write this? Why, why listen to me right now? So you do have to, in some ways, like pull back the curtain and say, yeah, like, this is what, these are what my struggles have been. This is what my struggles looked like. And for a woman like me anyway, and I can only speak to my own experience, it's been, at times it was really scary to put those words down. Like even just to admit how difficult, you know, in this case, we're talking about menstrual cycle, the book is talking about like how to regulate your menstrual cycle and how to eat and stuff with your menstrual cycle, admitting to, you know, the hundreds and thousands of people who are going to read this, that I struggled with my menstrual cycle for decades, that it was painful. I was ashamed of it. I felt like I was always fighting with my body. I felt like I was being punished every month for being a woman. Mm -hmm. It was hard to write that because I was like, God, like people are going to just look at me and judge me and think I'm a crazy insert whatever, insert biggest fear ever, right? Um, But at the end of the day, you know, if you want to help people, you know, most people are not going to just, read PubMed for leisure. Like they're not going to read literature. They want to read your story, what the keys were in your story that made a difference. And what were some of the strategies that you discovered, um, whether it's you, if it's an N of one or, you know, multiple people, um, what have, what have been the strategies that have worked? So it required... The book, okay, I'll say it this way. The book required me to become the book. I had to become the book in order to write the book. I don't know if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense, but that's how I I felt like in order to write this book, I had to become this woman that I was talking about.
0: I think that makes complete sense because perhaps if you had it your way, especially going back a year or two, you would have just written a research paper. But the truth is humans don't connect with research papers humans connect with other humans, right?
1: To my (laughs) chagrin, yes, that's true. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm sure you had to unravel a lot of shit in order to get to that place. But like, if I'm reading PubMed, I'm not feeling an emotional connection and I'm not gonna spend 10 hours reading through that. But if I'm reading a story and I feel... Emotive when I'm reading it, I'm going to flip through till the 400th page or whatever it is, because I'm connecting with another human being who I can look at in the eyes, even if it's just on the cover and say, Oh, you see me, I see you. There's actually something happening there. And for me, that's so important in choosing a book or a mentor or a podcast. Like, I need to know who the person is behind it. So I think that's really cool that um, you were able to come to that place of saying, All right, the research is there, but I need to be this book. Like, how can Mm -hmm. I pull the curtains back and take the masks off and actually connect with my reader in the way that they deserve? And it also sounds like maybe your vision grew so big that your ego couldn't get in the way anymore. You're like, right,
1: right. Cause your ego wants to keep you safe, right? Your ego wants to be like, okay, we don't want anyone to criticize you. We don't want anyone to attack you. And of course, that's dependent on your own history, right? Like you may be more adverse to that depending on, you know, past events that you may have had to uh, endure or um, triumph over. And for me, that was a really big thing. So I was really nervous, A, about peer criticism. So uh, criticism from other doctors, whether those are chiropractors, naturopathic doctors, medical doctors, osteopathic doctors, I was very concerned about that. And it was funny, even in the process of writing the book, I think I have... um, 234 references in this book and so but but it's funny because i for my um for my own podcast i had interviewed a researcher Uh, his name is dr ben bickman he's a genius he has a book his call it's called um why we get sick and so I had just handed off my manuscript at the time of our interview. So I'm reading his book. I'm like, God, he's so good. This is great. So I flipped to the back because he has all these references. And I'm like, oh my God, he has like 560 references for <laughs> his book. I'm like, well, I guess mine's garbage. That one. <laughs> I'm Like, I guess, I guess it's not even worth anything. I didn't even do what Ben did. Right. And then I caught myself. I was like, Oh, yeah. there it is. There it is right there. Right. The, uh, this like comparison, um, and Itis. comparison is like, sometimes it's yeah. Comparison sometimes is good. Sometimes it can be fruitful. Like if you're going to ask for a raise, you want to know, you know, what the, what someone else in a similar position, like comparison sometimes is a useful Thing, but in this instance, <laughs> this was the dark side of comparison. I was like, "Well, yeah. my book's not worth anything because I don't have as many references as another." And then I was like, "Well, listen, you're, I'm all—I'm not a scientist, right? I'm a clinician, so I blend the literature with the practical mm-hmm. application. So a big part of my book is how to. So like, it yeah. sort of sets you up with like all the science, and then the second part of it is like, this is what you have to do to heal it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't need—I don't need references for the how to because that's like the clinical experience that I bring." to, you know, just by nature of being a clinician for 16 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to share that really funny story because it's still, it pops up like it shapeshifts, like your egos, like Mm -hmm. you may think you have it in check and then it shapeshifts into something else, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting. We stand in our own way and we get in this comparisonitis, but you have to remember too that this book isn't for you. It's for, in your case, your Bettys. And do your Bettys want 250 references? I think they wouldn't care whether there was 50 or 250. So (laughs) put yourself in their shoes. You're simplifying the research and you're cutting to the point. So I think that's awesome. You know, it's so
1: funny that you said that (laughs) Gio, my partner said almost the same thing. He's like, do you think that one of your Bettys is gonna be like, you know what? She didn't have the minimum 275 references. Like this is garbage. Or is she gonna say, wow, like she really spent the time to make sure that she's referenced. That doesn't mean anything for me. It's what the, it's the protocols are outlined in the book that actually matter and I was like oh yeah I forgot about that part (laughs) yeah it's the criticism from my peers that was driving that egoic response right Mm -hmm.
0: but Mm. the truth is it's not for them so it's a good reminder for all of us for sure to get out of our own way Mm -hmm. Um, what is a Betty body for the person who's listening like the Betty body okay well do I want to read this in your words what is that
1: So a Betty body is basically your body. Uh, There's no, you know, we don't define, you know, you don't have to look like you don't have to be a certain size or a certain weight. This is about feeling good in your skin. Mm -hmm. So if there is a woman who feels inflamed or she has brain fog or she's noticing sleep disturbances, or she's noticing that she's not as strong or doesn't have the endurance that she has the Betty body is someone who can adapt to both you know to her internal and her external environment appropriately with ease and grace and if you can't do that then we have strategies in the book to help heal your metabolism reduce inflammation and just like feel good in your skin like i talk about your you know being in your Betty body as like this beautiful dress that like fits you exactly the way that you feel the most sexy the most alive the most present And for someone that might be a size four and for someone else that might be a size 14 or a size 20, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about size, but we are talking about intuitively responding to your body signals, learning how to listen to the language of your body, because she doesn't talk in words as much as we'd love your liver to be like, we need you to have more, like, (laughs) you know, livers don't work like that, but we tell, you know, we have to listen to the signals of our body. And once you can decode that, then you can appropriately respond for, to your body in the way that she requires and that she expects you to.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that you've taken the narrative away from size because we've all you know, been on those diets that are like, get your size two body or take all your waist right. measurements and that. And it's just nice to know that we can come home to the body that makes us feel good
1: good. And you know, what feels good, you know, like you also know what feels good. So that's not for me. And you know, the the whole point is to give women the autonomy to choose, right? If you want to lose weight, then that is up to you to decide Mm -hmm. if you do not want to lose weight, but maybe you want to improve your brain fog or your energy. Like that is, you are a smart woman. I am not prescribing for you what I think everybody should look like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So To use your words, I would love to get some Betty Bites from you, because for the listener who they want to kind of pick your brain while we have you on about how to improve their metabolic health or improve their focus at work, I'm hoping we can do a little bit of a fun rapid fire here. So are you open to that?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, that's fun.
0: (laughs) Okay. So in your podcast, you say you're always trying to answer the question of what are the simplest things that you can do today to get Mm -hmm. better tomorrow? So first little bullet point here, what are the simplest things we can do for better metabolic health?
1: Oh, that's great. I would say that for every woman, we wanna be thinking about no matter what you know diet, like without getting into the diet wars, you wanna be eating whole foods. So whether that is, um, and I would say just as a general rule, when you are going to the grocery store, that means shopping the perimeter of the grocery store. So usually in the aisles is where you get like the, chi- the chips, the cookies, the crackers, the-, the manufactured processed foods. So typically in the perimeter of the grocery store, that's where you get the fresh veg. That's where you get the, you know, the fish is there, the butcher's there, you know, the, the fruits and vegetables are there. So it's eating whole foods. It's eating until you're full. So understanding the difference between hunger and thirst most people conflate the two. So at a very minimum, we want to be making sure that we are always hydrated as you take a sip of your tea, right? We always want to make sure that we are hydrated because we, it feels the same in the body. Like the signals feel the same. We feel like, oh, I'm a little bit like, you know, not, I have a little bit of the munchies and maybe it might just be that you haven't had enough water. So as a very minimum that you have, you know, two liters if you're in Canada, two quarts uh if you're in the States of water a day. And that can be in herbal teas, it can be in uh plain water, it can be flavored. Like I love to flavor my water. I can't have plain water for whatever reason. I reject it. It's the worst. But I just like herbal teas, you know, water with lemon, that kind of thing. Um and then the other thing I would say is, you know, when we think about metabolic health, I think in in women's health in general, we tend to subcategorize things. So metabolic health, um, you know, uh, physical, you know, like musculoskeletal system, endocrine system, but it's all part of a bigger whole. We can't just go into the metabolic. Like if we were to picture a spider web, you can't just like pull on the one little string. That's the metabolic piece and not expect to affect the whole. So I would say when we think about metabolic health, the first thing we want to be thinking about is how can we reduce, Our stress, right? So that might not be like a supplement that you take or a diet that you follow, but how can you bring peace and joy and ease into every single day? And I say this, you know, I I coach um, uh, women, a few women uh, one-on-one. And in the beginning of my sort of coaching career, I would have people, beating themselves up. They would be like, Oh my God, I went to a wedding. I totally caved and I had the piece of wedding cake. I went to the dessert table. I'm such a loser. I'm such a, and it's like, okay, you have the, so you had the sugar, you had the, you know, whatever that whole process physiologically is at a maximum lasts for about two hours right? So we see the insulin spike and then the bubble, you know, the insulin takes the blood glucose, puts it into the cell and it's sort of done after two hours, but you beating yourself up for the three days after is actually much more physiologically damaging Mm -hmm. to not only your psyche, but to your physiology, to your body and your, and your inability to lose weight that you just have to, you have to forgive yourself. You just have to say like, okay, like I had the cake. It was great. Tasted wonderful. And we're done with it. And we move on. Um, even if it wasn't something you were planning. So I think being gentle with yourself, I think is probably one of the best things that you can do for every single parameter of your health. Learning to... Forgive yourself for not being perfect because that is a, in my word, that is a, that is the equivalent to a four letter word being perfect. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, we are not, you know, we are not perfect. We are just, everybody's a work in progress, right? Progress Mm -hmm. makes progress, not progress makes perfect or practice makes perfect. Practice makes practice. Mm -hmm. Um, even, you know, doctors, we don't have perfects. We have practices, right? So it's, it's always about the practice and the recommitment to yourself. Um, that's important. So those would be like my one, two, three. You know, if there's like uh, rules for everyone.
0: This is like a tangible business and health podcast because I'm like, yeah, in business, we need to be gentle with ourselves. We don't have to be perfect. (laughs) Like it's all about progress. So I'm I'm drawing the lessons here. Um, What would be a Betty bite for somebody who wants better brain function, clarity, focus, who just feels like they can't dial into a
1: project? Um, first, I would say one of the most available uh, techniques uh, on the planet, it's free, super complicated. It's called breathing. (laughs) Um, You know, so when we think about when we're feeling really like foggy or not clear, uh, this can be a variety of different things. But one of the best ways that you can begin to ameliorate that is by breathing, by oxygenating your brain. And a lot of times when we are feeling stressed, we tend to be very much shallow, um, our respite, we tend to breathe very shallowly. So from sort of the upper lobes of the, lo- like if you think about someone taking a deep breath, they might like take a deep breath and go, <gasps> right? Rat- like the shoulders might lift, the chest might lift versus diaphragmatic breathing where the belly actually comes out. Mm. And for a lot of women, again, when we think about patriarchal, like we're not actually told to allow the tummy to soften. We have to always like suck it in and suck it up, right? Mm -hmm. So allowing the belly to soften, taking some really deep cleansing breaths into the lower lobes of the lung is going to hyper oxygenate your blood, which is also going to go to your brain, which will help with some clarity. The other thing um, that I love is cold therapy. Mm. So when we are thinking about brain... Um, focus and brain fog. One of the most successful practices that I have seen, um, and this is for men and women, is some sort of cold therapy. Now, you don't have to spend. You know, you don't have to find like a cryotherapy clinic. You know, if you are someone who uh, lives in a season where there's four seasons, like I do, uh, every morning, in the, especially through the winter, I go outside and I have a cup of like I have a little espresso in the morning. I go outside and I sit on my porch. Mm -hmm. getting some fresh air. I'm in a, you know, in a tank top or in just like, I'm not wearing a jacket. So I'm out there in the cold. Um, and I stay out there to the point where I start to feel myself shivering a little bit. Mm -hmm. You can also do this in your shower. So if you're someone who lives where in a, you know, where the seasons are like relatively consistent through the year where it's always warm, like you're in California or Florida or Texas or something. Um, I would definitely say, uh, the last minute of your shower, turn off all the heat. And it's like, just imagine you're jumping in a lake, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like summer vacation. And you're like, it's the first jump in the lake. And while you may feel like a drowned cat for, you know, for a couple yeah. of seconds, it is one of the best things that you can do for um, something called mitochondrial biogenesis, which is just like a fancy uh, word for creating new cells for energy production. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is going to wake up your brain. And when we use temperature extremes, this is one of the best ways for brain fog and like the inability to focus. I promise, like, just try, try it once you may hate it. You know, the cold, like people don't like to be uncomfortable, but it's in those, you know, moving to the extremes where we can start to see some of those benefits.
0: Such good tips. And my listeners will laugh because uh, one of my goals for 2021, since we just moved onto a property that has a river in the backyard, I said, Mm. I'm going to go in that river once a week. And in the summer it was daily. But um, so on New Year's Day, my husband and I suited up and it was snowing and we each did five seconds fully submersed in the river. And we just felt so exhilarated, like, and it gives you this whole body rush of like, it feels like every cell is fired up and I was just like radiating energy at that moment. So uh, you've inspired me to do it for this week because I've been avoiding it for the last few days. Isn't it funny <laughs>
1: the games we play with ourselves? Isn't it so funny because you Aww. know how good you feel, right? Yep. But then you're like, you know, when you're sort of thinking of, I don't want to do it. Oh, I'm too busy. I'll go like, I got to make some, I got to make myself of this. I got to, too busy. Can't do it. There's excuse, 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 but it's really just like, that's just like the, You know the avoidance of being uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. that's like that's where all the good stuff lies Is like in the uncomfortable stuff right
0: what can we do for a better business i'm curious to hear your opinion on this
1: a better business the you know i don't want to sound cliche but i think that stop trying to be like other people the more Mm. that you understand who you are what you stand for what your values are, the better that you can show up more authentically in your business and people are going, you will find like the people that are meant to find you will find you. Right. So we like my, even though I love, like love men, like I said, right. I have men on my email list who love to email me every time I, every time I send out an email about like, you know, periods or something, they're like, I am a man. Why am I, you know, but you know your your people will find you your people will find you so if you have the courage to you know as i was saying like become the book in in the book's uh, case but just become who you are like show people let people in mm-hmm. show them what you stand for i think that you will attract the right clientele you will attract if you are you know hiring team members you are going to find people who are going to Buy into your vision and what you're trying to do with much more ease and simplicity than if you were trying to be just like some business guru. Um, that you want to emulate. And there's nothing wrong with looking up to, you know, uh, Richard, uh, uh, I think his name is Brunson or like whoever it is, like the Click Funnels. I'm saying his name wrong, I think, but you know, any, Russell. any, Russell, Russell, that's it. That's it. Russell. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, oh this is uh, going officially on the record that I got his name wrong. But, um, you know, you look at someone, you're like, wow, look at, you know, look at what they've done, look at what they've achieved, but he's done it in his own unique way. Yeah. Or, you know, Sarah Blakely of Spanx, like she's. I was actually watching her masterclass the other day. Like, what makes her unique is her right, so you have to just be unapologetically you, and not be mm-hmm. afraid to show people that because that's actually where, um, you know, they in the states they say the niches, the riches are where the niches are, right? Yeah. And you know, we can say it in Canada a little bit like the riches are the niches are where the riches are the, the riches. riches I don't know it doesn't make sense <laughs> the nouveau riches <laughs> yeah the nouveau riches exactly yeah that would just be my my best piece of advice is just know who you are. Because mm-hmm. business and like piz- business development and personal development, it's one and the same, you know, you are business development is the biggest personal development quest that you will ever, uh, you know, undertake and who you are as a person, of course, in, in contrast is also going to affect your business. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that because at the end of the day, a lot of what we do, no matter what industry you're in is kind of a commodity, right? There are other people who can teach nutrition, in my case, there are sure. other people who can teach marketing, but nobody can do it like me. Nobody can do it with the life experience I have, the stories that I bring into it, just the, the weird quirks about me. And so it's like that quote, don't change who you are, become more of who you are, because that's your secret sauce. That is what sure. makes the Betty body shine is that it's a unique expression of you and your collective of experience and research. And like you said, the storytelling you're going to bring into it, nobody will ever be able to write the Betty body like you did. And Mm. it sounds like you've really been on that journey of self-discovery alongside business growth. And um, I don't think it ever ends, but I think the more we can uncover those unique traits that only we have, the more we can truly call in the people who we can help and the people who who want to learn from us. And that's who we want in our corner. Right.
1: Well said. So
0: tell us where can we get the Betty Body? How can we get our hands on it? I think this is going to be an amazing book for business owners who want to perform better, who want to make sure that they take care of themselves first before they show up and give to everybody else. So tell us everything we need to know about the book.
1: It is going to be released February 16th, 2021, and you can find it wherever you would buy from an online uh, retailer. So Amazon, you'll be able to find it on amazon.com.ca, wherever, wherever you hail from. And uh, you can also find, if you go to hellobetty.club, so H-E-L-L-O-B-E-T-T-Y.C-L-U-B, uh, you'll be able to find links for that as well.
0: Amazing. Dr. Stephanie, thank you for hanging out with us and sharing your journey from where you were when you started your chiropractic clinic all the way to where you are today, which is podcast host, author, incredible online business owner, and a true wealth of knowledge. I really love listening to your podcast, and I do think it is unique to any other audio content that I've ever consumed in my life and I listen to a lot so thank congratulations you. on all the success and I would encourage everybody to go find an episode and start binging on it
1: thank you that's I love that I fully receive that thank you
0: All right. There you have it. Did you fall in love with Dr. Stephanie? I could have talked to her for hours, especially when it comes to optimizing health as a high performing woman, but she has plenty of podcasts on her own show better, which you can walk through and learn about nutrition, fasting, fitness tips, all the things. So definitely go check out her show. A few things I wanted to double tap on before we close out this episode. So first was her story about ending and closing a chapter with integrity. And I really think that whether it's closing a clinic like Dr. Stephanie described, or maybe you're in the process of ending a relationship or quitting a job, I think it's so vital to make sure that we do it with integrity. I think as visionaries, that is something that we can say we do so that you feel proud and when you retell the story that you know you left on a high note or as the old expression goes, just never burn bridges. The second thing I wanted to share is the secret to better business and is it really to stop trying to be like everyone else? I totally agree with Dr. Stephanie on this one and really believe that, yeah, that is one of the secrets. You can hear how fired up I get when it comes to not changing who you are, but becoming more of who you are in your business. Business is self-expression after all, and the sooner you can fully self-express, the sooner your business will be more fun and more profitable. And the third thing I wanna double tap on is talking about cold therapy. So who's coming over to my place for a polar bear dip? I actually just moved to a small town about 4 or 5 months ago and our new place backs onto the river. So I've done a few polar bear dips in the ice cold water and Dr. Stephanie loves the power of cold therapy on our metabolic health. And it's something so simple and in most cases very affordable that we can all do if we live in a cold climate. And it was actually one of my January goals to do one polar Polar bear dip or snow angel per week and I think I stuck to it actually. I always picture Dr. Stephanie sipping her morning espresso on her front porch until she's shivering. I think that's something she either shared in her own podcast or in an interview on somebody else's but I think that's such a great way to just build resilience and get the benefits for your metabolic health. So that's it for today visionaries. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Riedel. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.